Turn with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 9. I want to read a few verses here with a special emphasis on or entitled the message, A God of Great Grace. This idea, which is foreign to Scripture, that there's no grace in the Old Testament. I know that John 1.17 says, For the law was given by Moses, and grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you the truth of the matter is, Jesus Christ, uh, He was in the Old Testament. He was in the beginning with the Father. All things were made by Him. Therefore, grace is in the Old Testament as well. And uh, if you want to really get down to it, there's uh, in the New Testament, there's a little bit of law there as Ananias and Sapphira hit the dust. And some others are smitten with blindness and, and so forth. And so God, and as God, what? Shakes the jail. And uh, so God is a God of mercy and grace all the way through. He's a God of justice, and so we have a God of great grace even in the Old Testament. All right, chapter 9, we'll get you to rise one more time. It won't hurt us to be up and down a little bit. If you ever used to be Catholic, you were up and down all the time. I wasn't. I was a Methodist, but the Catholics, they always were up and down, up and down, and they passed the plate three or four times if they didn't get enough too, but anyhow. Um, all right, chapter 9 of Joshua. By the way, Joshua here is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to speak about Rahab, the harlot, and we're going to speak about Gibeon. And Joshua is the, his name means Jesus. Joshua is the Old Testament word and it means Savior. And Jesus is the New Testament word, the Greek, which means Savior. And so Joshua was there, God used Joshua to bring them in. And, of course, our Lord Jesus Christ is the captain of the host with Joshua, and he's the one who brings us in to grace and brings us into heaven itself. So we have uh, chapter 9, verse 22. Follow with me, please, in this portion of Scripture. Joshua, chapter 9, verse 22. And Joshua called for them. And he spake unto them, saying, Wherefore have ye beguiled us, saying, We are very far from you, when ye dwell among us. Now therefore ye are cursed, and there shall none of you be freed from being bondmen and hewers of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. And they answered Joshua, and said, Because it was certainly told thy servants how that the Lord thy God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Therefore we were sore afraid of our lives because of you and have done this thing. And now, behold, we are in thine hand as it seemeth good and right unto thee do to do unto us, do. And so did he unto them and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel, and they slew them not. And Joshua made them that day hewers of wood and uh, drawers of water for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord, even unto this day in the place which he chose. All right, verse 24. Let's read it together, please. And they answered Joshua and said, Because it was certainly told thy servants how that the Lord thy God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from you before you, therefore we were sore afraid for our lives because of you and have done this thing. Let's pray. Father, we thank Thee for the power of the Word of God in the lives of saving these Gibeonites, and then, Lord, the power of the Word of God in saving Rahab the harlot when, when Jericho was destroyed. How we thank Thee that there was faith there, faith that made them tremble, not unto damnation, 
as Felix probably did, but they trembled unto eternal life. And we thank Thee for Thy grace. Thy great grace in the midst of this unbelievable war that was taking place in these 33 nations. Thank Thee, Lord, for Thy grace. Have Thy way, we pray tonight. Now speak to our hearts. Help us as we preach. May we, dear Lord, listen to the Holy Scriptures and may we obey them. May they help us, Lord. We didn't come just to to hear and, and not answer. We've come to hear and obey and do the Word of God. So, dear Lord, help us in all things. We pray if there's one without Christ, they'd be saved. As the Gibeonites were, and then, dear Lord, as Rahab the harlot was. And then we that are believers, help us to realize if we'll yield and obey that there are great things in store for us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to get back to the story, and we don't have time to read all that, but it's in there in the first couple chapters. The Bible calls her Rahab the harlot. And so, because God was destroying all those cities, God had told Moses, that, and then Moses told Joshua, and then God spoke to Joshua and said, I don't want any of these people living. I'll tell you what, it sure proves one thing, total depravity. These people don't believe in total depravity today. Uh, I think they've, they've got a little bit of depravity coming out in not believing in total depravity. That's what I think. Because we are without hope. We, ha- we are not able to get to God on our own. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've fallen short, missed the mark. We are not able to reach this holy God of heaven in our sinful condition. We had to have a Savior. We had to have the blood applied. We had to even have the faith given to us. As it says over there in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith. Even that faith is a gift of God. Everything's a gift of God. Life itself is a gift of God. Therefore, if our intellectual capabilities are all given by God in our speech and our sight and our hearing and everything we have, then we owe everything back to God. And He gets it all back when we get saved. Amen? Yes. Amen. Nobody gets saved hanging on to some sin out here. Nobody. You'll trust Him as the Lord Jesus Christ. You won't be saved. Rahab had to trust the Word of God above her fancy ideas. And above her sin of harlotry too. When you accept, when you receive Christ, and when you trust the Bible and trust the Christ in the Bible, you'll leave off your whoredom, whether it be idols or it be physical whoredom. You'll leave off that stuff. Amen. Say, well, some people don't even know it is sin. Well, as soon as they find out it's sin, they'll they'll get rid of it, or they'll want to get rid of it. They'll want to be clean. If they've been cleansed by the blood of Christ, they'll want to be cleaner. Amen? They don't want things getting between them and their Savior if they're truly born again. You can't get saved if you, if you want to hang on to some sin. I don't care what it is. Pride. I don't care if it's money. Pleasure. You can't, you can't have Jesus in your sin too. Amen? And this teaching that you receive Christ as your Savior now and you receive Him as your Lord later, it's not scriptural. It's kind of like that... That periodical I read, it's, you know, to train up a child. And I don't even know why they had the two in there to begin with. The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's older, not depart from it. But some of that stuff, listen to me. We don't need to be learning methods. All we need to do is train up a child. And all the rest of this, they're against psychology, supposedly, but then they have their own psychology. It's extra-biblical. And anything extra-biblical is dangerous. The Bible gives us enough. That's why all this new evangelicalism is ruining our country. All these people know how to run a family. Only God can teach you from His holy book how to run a family. Husbands, only God can teach you how to love your wife. These people that act like they have a perfect home and they had five children and they're all perfect. I don't believe a word of that mess. And I don't believe their authorities either because God gave the pastors to the authorities, not the pastor's wives either. Amen. By the way, they, they encourage that book, Me Obey Him. 
And I've been against that a little bit for a long time from Elizabeth Hanford. You ought to find out where her husband is right now. John R. Rice's, John R. Rice's uh, daughter-in-law. Daughter. Well, the son-in-law, he's plumb a new evangelical, Steve Green and all the mess. He's got into everything. I mean, gone. The only thing that kept him straight is when old Uncle John was still living. John R. Rice is mean as a snake, but sweet as heaven all at one time. Sweet as honey all at the same time. You can be that if you're in God. But you watch out for this stuff. These people are trying to tell you that you should put a gun in front of your kids and, 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 you don't, and teach you how to spank the kid. The Bible says if thou beatest them with a rod, and it says beat them early. Beat times means early. That's enough. That's enough. They don't have to tell you where to spank them and everything else, although the Bible gives a little bit about the rod on the back to tell you the truth if you really want to get plain about it. it speaks more about that than it does down here. I'm telling you, we don't need to learn all this mess about when to change diapers and all this kind of stuff and how to potty train babies. I tell you, men, men don't need to know all that junk. We need to know how to serve God and honor God. And I want to tell you something else about all this stuff. We've got this stuff about saving your kids. I know people who went to Bible college with me and they saved their kids, but they missed the ministry. I said they saved their kids, but they missed the ministry. And ended up a, a deacon in a church, but they should have been preaching. Bible says, he that forsaketh not his father, his what? Children. Says everything, friend. Even his own wife. Did you know those twelve had to, in a sense, forsake their wives and their families to go follow the master? He that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. He says, hate your wife. It doesn't mean, it means your comparison, your love for Christ is so great that people will accuse you of hating your wife. Now I'm telling you, this business, we've got this idea today. Now I know it's dangerous today. There's sensualism everywhere. There, there's so pornography stuff that is today there that it's just awful. It's just a mess. Shane and I were out there today and he was bringing this up. He said, we went down the aisle of the little books there. I was... Their Bibles were right there, but then you go down the other books, and Shane said, man, alive, this is a bunch of pornography right in here, right in Walmart. Right. But I'm telling you, and so we have to, I said, well, you almost want to ask the Lord to help you to be blind for a little while. Right. So you can have your mind on Him. I'm telling you what, listen, this idea that you're supposed to invest all your time Daddies are supposed to invest all their time in training children. I want some Bible for that, thank you. I don't want to. I don't care what Michael Pearl says. I don't care what Dobson says. I don't care what any of these fellows say. I want to know what the Bible says. And Jesus said, "He that forsaketh not his own wife, he cannot be my disciple. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, not diaper changers." This is men's business. Preaching the gospel. It's sacrifice. And some men, they, they're so wrapped up in false teaching about this matter of training children that they think it's more important than preaching the gospel. Duties just plumb don't, they don't conflict. Your duty to your children will not conflict with the call of God. Your duty to your wife will not conflict with your duty to God. Dr. Bob Sr. was right on that. Duties do not conflict. God is always first. God would never cause you to do something against your wife if he didn't have something to take care of her need. But he may, he may cause you to sacrifice. Some of you men here, you have to spend a lot of hours away from your wives because you're in an army. Well, my Lord is just as important and more important than Uncle Sam's army. And this idea, what I want to say is this. Listen to me. We have got to be careful just because a lot of pastors' families went bad. So did David's. So did Samuel's two boys go into trouble. Amen? They took bribes. What a great man Samuel was. Eli, I, I, I get sick of people belittling Eli. Eli was a great man. He did wrong. He should have disciplined his children. But I'll tell you, he was the high priest. And he did, he did see what Hannah was doing. I mean, you might have been the same way. Think she was drunk. I, I think at least he, he rebuked her for it. Amen? And you think about his, his children and Eli's children were grown men. The priests, they were grown married men. 
Amen? How many, how many men are, don't have enough guts to make their, their married sons do what's right? But I'm saying he was a great man of God, but he lost both of his sons. Why? They didn't get saved. That's why. You know why they made the offering of God to stink? They weren't born again. And probably Samuel's two sons who took bribes, probably they needed a good dose of salvation. And probably Nadab and Abihu, the two high priests, the two sons of uh, the great Aaron, you know, we can blame it all on Aaron who made the golden calf, but the trouble is Nadab and Abihu. Aaron didn't die then. Aaron knew God. But probably Nadab and Abihu never got born again. That's why they got drunk and offered the strange fire. I don't know. I'll tell you, you've got to watch this stuff today. Everybody wants a sure, quick cure on how to raise children. And there's no easy way about it. And I get sick of these people who try to say, well, you can over-spank them. When our problem in America is under-spanking or not spanking at all. And they act like that, that really you're supposed to spend more time training and counseling than spanking. I say you just better get a rod out. If you use that rod enough and if you love your child, you're not going to beat him till he's bleeding all over the place. Come on. Biblical sense and the Holy Spirit living in a believer will tell you something. These, these people, they, they're authorities on the home. Go talk to Ron Williams. Go talk to Ron Williams. He's a great man, and I, I thank God for his literature. But you go check with him and see if every one of his boys turned out perfectly. He'll tell you they didn't. Amen? But he's not changing his teaching or his preaching, but he didn't get into this business. He, he, he preached principles. Principles are one thing, but how to make a cake and all that bunch of junk, what's that got to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ? I don't think we need to be teaching about how to make a cake uh, with little uh, Elizabeth. That's her mother's job. Just make the cake if it falls down or it comes up and the yeast works. Or not. Who cares? Just teach them. She messed it up, but it's just eat it anyhow. You know how it is around here. <laughs> Amen. You got that many kids, you're thankful if it rises at all. Amen. Come on. Just we'll have unleavened cake for a while. I mean, what in the world's the Bible got to do with that stuff? I think we men need to be careful we don't get all wrapped up in this kind of this this bunch of junk. When I read a good periodical by Hugh Pyle today, he his little uh, route to revival, and I'm telling you I said I, I ought to try to get everybody in our whole church to get his little paper. And then at the same thing, I read the other paper and I said we don't need to read that there's something wrong with it. The spirit of God just says something wrong with it. He said, well, listen, I think there ought to be papers. My wife gets some paper on some, by some woman out in Broken Arrow or something like that. But I haven't got time to read all that stuff. Amen? I'm not reading women's mess. Amen? I want to learn how to fix a car or fix some sinner so they can be a saint. How to evangelize. How to, how to raise up missionaries. How to get missionaries called. How to preach the Word of God. Some people put these missionary letters out and they never put a never put a scripture in there, never put a sermon in there. They wonder if the fellow's got any sermons in him at all. Every once in a while he ought to put a sermon in his missionary prayer letter. If he's got any preach in him. I'm telling you, we've got to have something for our soul. You come out of these things and you say, well, they use some scripture. Yes, but they don't use enough. And I don't care for one scripture verse and 25 rules on how to train your children. I'm not interested. Just use the rod and use it early. And if they don't listen, just use it again. And if they don't listen, you use it again. And if they don't get their attention after a while, they are pretty dumb. Amen? And most of them are not handicapped at all. They just don't want to listen. Then you just give it to mom and say, your mom's going to get you, and I'm going to get you, and your oldest brother or sister get get you, and you're going to straighten up or else, bud. You don't have to be saved, but you have to act saved while you're in my house. Because if you don't, he'll ruin all your other kids. Ruin all the other kids. Now, it's all right to say, say that. You follow what I'm talking about? But for that, I had about five scripture verses or five scripture verse principles for the fact that the younger ones will affect the other ones. Are you with me or not tonight? 
this business of of one scripture verse and 25 other things. I, I just I. I'm just not up to it. I, I know a man who went in the ministry, went all over the churches, and he was supposed to be an authority on the home, and he left his wife. So I don't want to hear all that stuff. The authority is the Holy Spirit working through the believer. Amen? Just read the Bible and do what God's Word says. God says, use the rod, spare the rod, spoil the child. Don't, don't spare the rod, and you won't spoil the child. I think what we need a little bit more of is we need definitions of spoiling. Don't we use that? Boy, that, that, that child's uh, spoiled rotten. Well, spoiled means rotten. And you could go on about that. All right. Rahab the harlot. Rahab the harlot. I want you to tell you in the Old Testament was a place of grace. Can you imagine they were all doomed to hell, getting back to total depravity? God had told Moses, and then later Joshua, these people are so wicked. You see, they were all as wicked as Rahab the harlot in regard to the fact that they were a wicked sinner. If not themselves, their offspring, their, their relatives. The whole city of Jericho was so wicked, God said, I don't want anybody even to build this city back on uh, any, any rocks or any stones or anything. It's so wicked. Just plain, don't, don't you, you'll pay in your children if you build this city back. That's what God thinks about Jericho and all the people in Jericho. So that magnifies the grace of God when God says that he will save Rahab the harlot and all her household if they get behind the door and don't stay out in the street. And then they, she puts the scarlet cord out. She lets the, she let them go. She said, stay up there three days up in the mountains. And she directed the others the other way. By the way, during war, you can do this. And they, she believed the word of God. Rahab believed the word of God. You can check it in the record. Just like the Gibeonites, she believed the word of God. She told about these kings that were destroyed. Og and Sihon by Moses on the eastern side of the Jordan. And she believed the word of God. Salvation only comes by believing the word of God. And by the way, Samuel of old, he, he heard of the judgment, the word of God from God about the judgment of Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and that saved his soul. The word of God will save you. It's just the word of God doesn't mean what verse. He'll save you through any verse. It's the word of God, friends. It saves people. Amen? I mean, what a dream. On your salvation day, when God starts speaking to you, and he says, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Amen? He said, go back. He said, Eli, Eli, did you call? Boy, he wasn't he a, wasn't he a, a studious young fella? Wasn't he a, a faithful young servant there in his youth? There to the high priest Eli, because his mother, he had a faithful, godly mother who brought him, and she waited till she weaned him, and then she brought him and gave him back to God. She kept her promise, did she not? That she made there when Eli thought she was drunk. She said, I want a boy baby. She didn't want a baby. She wanted a boy baby. Thank you. Amen? She wanted a boy baby, and God gave her a boy baby. And she said, I'll give him back to God all his days. And she did. And then she had five other children because she was honest and, and upright with God. But she gave Samuel to God all his days. And his name means asked of God. He was even named right, wasn't he? Asked of God. What a great name, Samuel. The E-L on the end is Elohim. The first part there, Samuel, it's asked of God. Asked of God. Praise God. If he was asked of God and he was so blessed as he was, I'll tell you what, his boys should have known better than take bribes and do wrong. Amen? They were preacher's boys. They were the boys of a prophet. Eli's sons were priests. They should have known better. Nadab and Abihu should have known better. Their blood be upon themselves. We need more judgment preaching. All this mamsy, pamsy, sweetie pie, home discipline stuff, this feminine stuff, it makes me sick. If you don't do right, boy, God will kill you. God will deal with you. You young girls, you're in a pastor's home. If you go around, whore around like, a, like these other girls, I'll tell you what, the Bible says you ought to be burned at the stake. You ought to be stoned to death. Because you disgrace your father 
And this teaching today in our society is that it doesn't make any difference if you're a missionary's kid or an evangelist's child or a preacher's kid. It does matter. It does matter if you're a deacon's child. You have to be different. You say, well, what about the, the lay people if their kids are in order as much as the other? Well, they ought to be too, amen? We're all Christians. But for that leadership position, they ought to be an example. When they're not, they ought to be warned. Amen? Look what happened to David's kids. But I know he wasn't a priest. I know that. But Samuel was. Samuel was. Seemed like. All through here. I don't know. You had the prophets. Prophet. He was a man of God. God called. Man of God. So here we have Rahab. She believes God. She puts the scarlet line out, which is the type of the blood of Christ. She lets them down. She said, they said, leave this thing here. You have all your family behind the door. By the way, she got her brothers and sisters in. She got her mother and father in. But the truth of the matter is, her mother and father and her brothers and sisters all should have died. It was the great grace of God. And along with that, for all we know, the great faith of Rahab that saved her whole family. The great faith in a great God. Amen? She had unusual faith. And you, you say, what's the end of Rahab? Uh, check over in the, in the Gospels and you'll find that, that God allowed some man to marry a harlot by the name of Rahab and she's in the line of Christ. She's one of the five women that's in the line of Christ. There's Mary, there's Bathsheba, there's Rahab, the harlot. Bathsheba. Boy, I saw something in my reading about Bathsheba that you all need. Listen, there's nothing like the Bible. is it to clean your mind up and straighten your thinking up. The Bible says that she, when she heard that, that her husband, Uriah the Hittite, died, that she mourned for him. You don't hear that David mourned for him. I said, you don't hear that David mourned for, for, for him, for he just had him annihilated and killed out there by the hand of Joab and by the hand of the enemy. He murdered him. And others, it says some others died along with Uriah the Hittite, and they put him up there where valiant men fought. What would you think of Brother Lightsey here? Sergeant Major putting some of his key men up close in the battle where the king or President Bush or whatever else would be back there. It would be more like someone else that would read our previous president. Anyhow, but anyhow, I don't... And, 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 then, and then he said, put them up in the battle because I want them dead. They're in my way. They're causing trouble. I think this is, uh, that was already done in the previous administration. But we, we, we don't have time for all that right now. Okay. Uh, anyhow. Uh, so what I'm saying is that uh, that would be a wicked thing. But it doesn't say that David mourned for Uriah the Hittite. So God just let him mourn a long time after his baby died. And all the blood and all the problems, God let him mourn for years for the mourning of Bathsheba. It kind of makes me think that the sin was David's sin. And let's, let's in some way really let Bathsheba off the hook. She mourned for her husband. See, David was the king. He could have your head chopped off if you didn't do what he told you. He was like the, he was the commander-in-chief of the military as well as being the president, the king of Judah. I just thought I'd give you that. That's a little extra. I, I saw that and I never saw that before. I was almost blaming Bathsheba for bathing down there and being uh, unclothed. And I've even said that in my sermons. But after I thought about her mourning for her husband, I think we just better pour all the contempt on a man called David who knew God, was called by God, was anointed by God, and blessed to take uh, Goliath down, and yet he wanted, some stre- some, uh, he wanted someone else other than all the other wives he already had. He had six wives in Hebron, and he had to take Uriah the Hittite's wife. Well, we'll just let you pay for it, David. By the way, getting back to children, I think we need to let our children say, no, uh, be sure your sin will find you out. And you can even say you're sorry afterwards and that will not often clear it up because what you did was too great. And someone else will have to pay for the sin and you might have to pay for it. You can say you're sorry all day long after you blew someone's head off and killed some innocent person. 
because you got wrapped up with someone else and you went in and robbed a store. And your mom and dad can cry all the time for you, but you have to pay, won't you? And you might have to pay with your life because you won't listen. I think we need more judgment preaching in our home. And I think the rod will show them what they're going to get from Almighty God if they don't behave. I'll tell you, my dad never prayed with me when he spanked me. He was upset with me. This idea, well, you're supposed to be loving. and ah, I don't believe all that and have prayer with your child. I wouldn't bother. Just let, let them go in there and mourn a little bit. Let them cry for about a half an hour for all you care. Amen? And just because Susanna Wesley said they're not supposed to cry for anything, I don't know about that. The Bible doesn't get into that. And she was no great authority on everything either. Amen? Listen, you try. it's got to match up with the Scriptures. The Bible says, spare not, for they're crying. And, and Susanna Wesley said she wouldn't let them cry about anything. Now, I know sometimes they whimper and cry about everything. I, you have to decide what to do about that. You got all those girls, I know. And some of the boys are like that when they're little. But you better get that out of those boys. We need some character in boys. Or they'll never be men. They'll be wimps all their life. Got enough of them around. Amen. I talking to Shane. He was looking over at my house the, today. He was looking at the thing that Linda did up for me about in the Navy. I said, can you find me in there? He couldn't find me. I showed him where I was. And then I told him some other things about a big fellow there named Bond. How that little, uh, whatever he was, uh, company commander, little Leonard Lamb. I remember his name because he was just like a wolf and a lion. Little runny guy. No offense to some of these guys that are sitting around here. I won't use you as an example. Who can I find a real someone, real small? But anyhow, he wasn't very big. He's, you know, really skinny. And he got the biggest guy. You know, wouldn't he do that, Brother Miller, in boot camp? What he did is this. This is the Navy now. This is the Navy. This is the old. This is in the 60s, early 60s, and he grabbed Bond by the shirt, right in front of all of us. You know, the biggest guy. I mean, this guy looked like a big German. He looked like he'd take his arm and knock, knock uh, Leonard, little old Leonard uh, Lamb Company commander, right through the wall. And he grabbed him right by the, right by the shirt. He said, Bond. He said, Come on, look at me, Bond. Why don't you swing at me? Uh, come on, I'll take you in the in the in the showers. He said, I'll I'll knock the snot out of you. Come on, hit me, hit me. If he'd have hit him, man, he's going to the brig. Amen. He used him as an example. We thought if the biggest guy in the whole outfit's going to obey the CO, I think it'd be a good idea if we did. We didn't want to go to the brig either. But in our talk, I told Shane, because he, he remembered some of my preaching about one fella, and they had him out there in his underdrawers uh, doing push-ups in 20 below zero, 15 and 20 below zero weather, and he got, uh, even though he had those big bicillin shots, he got double pneumonia and died. And Shane said, did anybody else die during your thing? I said, I heard about another one too. He said, well, did they reprimand those men? I'm sure they did, but those other fellas were dead anyhow. This is training. They die from the heat. Some of them go schizophrenic and jump up in the... <clears throat> probably, don't they? In the Marines, you just, you've got to keep your cool or you might lose your brains. Amen? You've got to be scared to death and not show it. They make women go into those things? Huh? Oh, they don't make them go into that stuff? Oh, that's... Yeah, that, you know what The Bible speaks against that. That's partiality. Amen? Now, Sergeant Major said they don't make them do it. So I'm sure he, I think they'll make them do everything if they're supposed to be as strong as we are. Huh? Oh. Not out in the other light. They just shouldn't be in the military at all. Or they'll be little nurses and helping, and helping out there like, what's her name? Barton, Clara Barton or something. All right, hey, Rahab the harlot. But God put her in the lineage of Christ. Because she, and the Bible puts her in the heroes of the faith as well in Hebrews 11, Rahab. Faith. I'm telling you, God doesn't leave women out. He exalts them. What about Mary? What about Elizabeth? What about Sarah? My. What about Rahab the harlot? 
So I think, you know, unless the Lord definitely speaks to us, you know, about a sin in, in, in Bathsheba, we better just put it on the man. That's the one he dealt with. And the thing was not pleasing to God. But she believed the word of God. Then the Gibeonites, which we read about tonight. I want you to know that God had told Moses and Joshua, I said it before, I'm saying it again, that every man, woman, and child is to be totally annihilated of all 33 nations. Two nations on the eastern side of the Jordan and 33 on the other side of the Jordan. Everybody's supposed to die. Now, I don't know if the 34th one was Gibeon or the 33rd one, but I thought that they, they, they took 33 nations. And my blessed Lord Jesus died at 33 and a half too. Hallelujah. I don't know what it all has to do about that, but I, I like numbers in the Bible. Can you imagine? They heard, these Gibeonites, they heard. They were right around the corner. They'd heard about Sihon and Og on the eastern side. They were great kings. Og was so big, he had a big bedstead. He had a big bed. I tell you, they just, they just, God says, I'll take care of them. God fought for Israel. God sent hornets in there. Remember that? God sent hornets in there. You, you know, you soldiers are no good at the hornets. Are, and God's directing those hornets. They'll get in your ear. They'll get in your eye. They'll have you so puffed up you can't see. He'll close your eyes up and nothing flat. God strikes you with about a, uh, about a, a, a dozen of God-sent hornets. Hit you all at one time. Man, your, your hand won't be able to have a, a sword or a knife or a spear when both of your hands are all full of hornets. And then if you'll read the record here that more died... Well, we get, we're jumping ahead a little bit. But in the, the 33 nations, God helped them and God fought for them. So here's what happens. Gibeonites, they come. They hear about the word of God like Rahab did. And here's what they do. They come and they, they come with their old shoes and old bottles of wine. It looked they, like they're all old. Everything was all, the bread was moldy. And they came with their old clothes and their old shoes. And, and they came to Joshua. And they said, we've come from a long journey. And we've heard how great your God is. And we want you to just have mercy upon us. We come from a long way off. I'm telling you, that's the only, that's the only lie in the whole thing. Is that they came from a long way off. And the reason they were lying is they wanted mercy. They wanted mercy. And they were a bunch of lying devils anyhow on their way to hell. Huh? They just wanted mercy. So they tell this, like Rahab lied and said they went out the gate, go out the gate and you'll find them. Same way, these bunch of sinners, they're all liars. What do they do? They said, we've come from a long distance. And so the, the princes and Joshua, they believe them. And they say, we'll, we'll protect you. So what happens? Three days later, they find out that they're their neighbors. And they lied about the whole thing. And Joshua comes down and all the princes are up, upset. Why? Because God had promised that he would give them every one of them were to die. They're all wicked. They're vile. They're all perverts. And they're all adulterers. And they're, they're filthy. They're idol worshipers. And God says, I, I want to kill them all. If you don't kill them all, they'll pollute you. See, they'll pollute the people I've separated for my namesake. I want you to see the great destruction of the wicked in comparison to the great grace and saving grace of God for the Gibeonites. This was a large city. Then these other nations hear about it, and they go to Joshua, and Joshua says, Why did you do that? And we read that verse. Did you, did you get that verse? We need to read that again. Look at verse 24. And they answered Joshua. This is in chapter 9, verse 24. And they answered Joshua and said, Because it was certainly told thy servants how that the Lord thy God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Therefore we were sore afraid for our lives because of you and have done this thing. And now behold, we are in thine hands. In other words, if you want to make us hewers of wood, for the tabernacle, for the worship of God. He is God. I tell you, all they wanted was mercy and grace. And you know what they got? They got mercy and grace. 
They, they, they were spared. Their lives were spared. Joshua said, we've, we've, we've made a covenant with them. Thank God we've had a covenant made with us by grace and by blood. And we are saved and nothing in all. By the way, it said the Gibeonites for all that time. Right after that, they served as hewers of the wood and carers of water for the tabernacle of the Lord, for the worship of the Lord, and for the t- congregation of the people. That's grace, grace. Instead of chopping your head off, that's a mighty bit of grace. Because I'm sure they let them drink the water that they were carrying. At least they had water. And that's not all. If you check Gibeon, that was the place where God, if I'm not wrong, where God spoke to Solomon and blessed him so greatly. And if I'm not wrong, it's the place of one of the six cities or the number of the cities that were the cities of refuge, if I'm not wrong. God blessed Gibeon. That's all grace. But now, as soon as this happens and they're spared, the heathen, all these five other nations, they hear that Gibeon, this great city, has made an alliance and a covenant with Joshua, I'll tell you what, when you get saved, someone's going to hear about it. When you get spared the judgment and wrath of God, someone's going to hear about it. And I'll tell you what, somebody's going to come after God's little baby youngins that just got saved by grace. And these five other heathen nations who didn't have the same heart attitude, they were like the others in Jericho. They were like the others in Ai. They were like the others in uh, Zihon and Og's nations over on the eastern side. They had a a heart that was hardened toward the God of mercy and grace. And so they got all upset with these others that got the mercy of God. Isn't that what happens to you when you get saved? This great city, why would they make an alliance with Israel? Well, we'll gather together our five nations. And the Bible says they came out against Gibeon. And Gibeon does like any other newborn Christian. He runs to, they run to Joshua and said, we can't handle this crowd out here, these five nations, but we're trusting you, Joshua. You made a covenant with us. You better protect us. Dear Savior, please protect us. And I'll tell you what, God in his great saving grace and mercy, he even allowed the sun to stand still. And it says in this chapter here, it says that there was never a day like that when God answered and, and the voice of man like that for the sun stayed up for a whole day so that these people that were against God's little new baby, newly saved nation, city, and nation of the Gibeonites, they were spared. And you say, well, what else did God do? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 11 of the 10th chapter. And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were in going down to Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Ezekiah, and they died. They were more which died of the hailstones. We may get some hail tonight, but not like this hailstones. With hailstones, then they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword, and then look down to verse 13. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon the enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. They say scientists can't figure out where there's one day missing. About 24 hours in the past. Well, here it is. Man, so smart, just go look to the Bible. Took William Harvey to 1400 and something. I find out that the circulation, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And God said that back in the Old Testament. Circulation of the blood. It took him to figure it out. They were bloodletting. And and even later, even President Washington, they say, he died by bloodletting. They should have been putting some more blood in him. Circulation, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Well, I'm telling you, look at verse 14. And there was no day. Like that before it or after it, that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. And the Lord will fight for His baby Christians, newly saved ones too. We're important to the Lord. If He'll save you, He'll sure guide you and He'll protect you. He'll keep you. He's a keeping God. I was so thrilled with the little periodical by Hugh Pyle. 
He said, if I was a pastor, he used to be a pastor. He's an evangelist now. And he told about all these sermons he'd, he'd preach because everybody was concerned about anthrax and this. And he'd preach all these sermons on how God will protect you. God will take care of you. God will guide you. And fear not, little flock, for it's the Father's good will to give you the kingdom. Fear not. Peace, be still. And all these waves just settle right on down. He's the God of peace. The Bible says the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. He's the God of peace. He's the great shepherd. He's the good shepherd. But hallelujah, he's my shepherd. He's mine. And I'm his. I'm his little sheep. And he'll take care of me. When I go astray, he'll go out and get me. When I do wrong, he'll spank me. Amen. When I do well, he'll pat me on the back and say, you did a good job. They spit on you. They beat you all up. You're all bloody, but it was for my glory. Everything's all right. Whether it's real blood or spiritual blood. Shane went around just a couple hours with me, and I was, one fellow came up to me and out there, and he said, he said to me, uh, we want you to buy this candy. You know, it's, it's, wouldn't it be nice to be nice to everybody? I mean, it'd be so nice just to be nice to everybody. Wouldn't it be? Uh, it, it just, you just like everybody to like you, don't you? But I said, oh, is this the fella here? And did he write a little book? I read that little book. The only problem is uh, that, that he's not qualified to be a minister. In other words, you're a key pastor who wrote this book and wrote this thing and is sending them out there. I said, I said we have the Bible, and the Bible says this. I said, your, your pastor's not qualified. He understood. Oh, and I told him why he wasn't qualified, and he already knew about it. So I told Shane after we left, and I told the fellow, I said, I'm not trying to be a wise guy. I'm not trying to be a crank. I'm just telling you the truth. I hope you know that I love you, and, I don't, and I, I'm so glad that the, the Lord saved your pastor. I, I told him, I said, I'm so glad the Lord saved your pastor. I'm so glad he wants to serve God, but he shouldn't be a pastor. Say, what good is all that? Well, it might keep him from doing the stupid thing. Amen? And the Word of God will stand on its own anyhow. I'm just here to give it out. I'm not here to find out how they're going to receive it. We're to give the truth out, and the truth will work. By the way, that's exactly what happened with Rahab the harlot. All in Jericho died, and all these other cities. And the same with Gibeon. Gibeon heard the word of God and believed the word of God and were spared. The others heard the word of God, did not believe the word of God, and they were damned. Destroyed and damned to hell. Is that right? That's the way it is today. We were all sinners and deserving to go to hell, all of us. But thank God we were like Rahab and we, got, we heard the word and we believed. We were like the Gibeonites and we said, silver and gold have I none. I don't have any good, nothing good. In fact, that's the way you come to God anyhow with your rags and your, your moldy bread and your old wine bottles and everything, your clothing, nothing's any good, but praise God, he dresses us up. He makes us smell good again. When the rose of Sharon in the lily of the valley gets inside of us, we start sm smelling pretty again, amen? I told Shane in that picture, I said, boy, that's when I almost was halfway decent looking. I said, now look at me. But I said, praise God, I got Jesus inside, and I look good inside. One day we'll look good in heaven. The dear lady over there at the Walmart as we were going out, have you seen her? She's all crippled up. And we were there as we went out. I had to quote those verses to her. I, just, I like to get into everything. You know what I mean? I said, you know, the Bible says about Moses. Here the other ladies standing there. They're worried about everybody running out with all the goods and everything. You know, I, I'm always in trouble anyhow. And so I told the lady, I said, the Bible says Moses said, Who made your mouth, Moses? And who made the deaf and the dumb and the blind and the seeing? Have not I the Lord? And you know what I said? I said, God made you handicapped like this. The devil didn't make you handicapped like that. And she smiled and said, I know. And she said, aren't I going to be different when I get to heaven? She said, 
she just was smiling and she took my hand and she couldn't hide it. I, I grabbed her hand. I said, hallelujah, amen, we're going to be different one day. Praise God. What a sweet spirit. You say, you maybe make a scene and all. I tell you, we need to make a scene. Because we've made a scene because of those twin towers. They're not allowing them to take prayer. And by the way, someone had said in Hugh Pyle said it'd be a good time to go after that prayer in school right about now. He said there's more talk about prayer. They tried to take prayer out and in God we trust and, and uh, they, uh, God bless America out of some school up there and they had so many calls. They said because of this Twin Towers saying that they had to shut their big mouths. And the ACLU, you can't even find them around very much. They pop up every once in a while. Someone pops them back again. Bunch of idiots. Heard more about God and God bless America and prayer and a need for God and a need for prayer for those people in Washington, D.C. and in especially New York City. And we've needed it for a long time. And thank God for that. You say, well, why did it all happen? Because of our sin, I'm sure. But thank God they're at least recognized we need God for the remedy. More flags I've seen around. That one fellow, our first missionary, he said, I've never in all my life. He's, over, he's older than I am. He's 60-some years old. And Bill Winstead, our very first missionary, said, I never saw such patriotism, never saw so many mentions of God in all my life. Everywhere I go, he said, this is good for our country. God bless America. So just make a scene for God. Amen? We need to thank God for his great grace in our lives. Amen? As Brother Julian prayed tonight. All deserve hell is what, in essence, he said, but it's grace, amen. He reached down and saved us. And after he saves you, though, he'll take care of you all the way through to glory. For Christ is in you. He's your perfection. Let's have prayer. Father, bless, we pray thy word. Oh, God, thank thee for thy grace, the mercy in our life, unworthy as we are, Dear Lord, help us to go out and tell someone else how to be saved. Be a blessing. Be a help to some lost sinner. Dear Lord, may we not keep the good news to ourselves. If we can raise a flag up and say, God bless America. Dear Lord, we ought to raise our Bibles up and say, America, bless God. We need to bless our God. We need to lift up the Bible of God. And the, the name of Christ, dear Lord, he's our Savior. Help us, we pray.